Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Andrew P. Shea. Mr. Shea, how are we doing this week? Great, Jimmy. How are you? It's good to see you again. Good to talk to everybody. Ready to chat about some college football. Yes, we are. But before we get there, our our show, Andy, we talk sports. We talk about athletic achievement, okay? For me, this week, the greatest athletic achievement has been by my partner, Andrew P. Shea. (laughs) Why don't you share share with our listeners, Andy, what you accomplished this week? Oh my gosh, Jimmy, I had no idea you were going to bring that up. Um, So I'm away. I'm not up in the Northeast. I'm down in the South, enjoying some beach time and played a little golf because I love playing golf. And I had my first hole in one. 47 years I've been playing golf. And I finally had my first hole in one. It was kind of cool, but... I didn't get to see it because it was an uphill shot to a pin tucked behind a bunker. So all my brother and I were playing together and nobody else was on the hole except him and I, because the other group had left. The only thing we were standing in T going was, do you think that might've gone in? It kind of took a weird bounce after the first hop, but that was all we knew. And then we had to go uphill to the green. So it took a while to find out, but it was indeed my first hole in one. So yeah, it was pretty cool. I'll be honest. Con- congratulations for that. And just just so our listeners know, like this wasn't a fluke. Like a hacker like me, you know, uh, blind squirrel and all that. What did you shoot for the whole round that day, Andy? Just tell me. <laughs> I shot seventy three. Okay. It, th- so, so the hole in one's not a fluke. Andy's a golfer, okay, a real golfer. But it leads me to this question for our listeners, and if you want to respond, send it to the Ask Andy button and and use that. Are you more jealous, more impressed by the hole-in-one or the fact that Andy shot a 73, okay? (laughs) I'm curious what our listeners say. Well, congratulations, Andy. Very happy for you. That's That's quite an achievement. Uh, let's let's move on to Penn State uh, football and a little different today, Andy. A couple weeks ago, Joe from Elizabeth sent us a question in to ask Andy. And at the time, we teased him a little bit because he actually managed to squeeze 11 questions into his one question. And I said, you know what? There was too much there for us to tackle in an Ask Andy segment. Perhaps later we would devote a full segment to it. And actually, I decide we're going to devote a full show, okay, to Joe from Elizabeth. And Joe's questions, plural, were essentially about the future of college football and where it's headed, especially considering what's going on with the Big Ten and the Southeast Conference. Now, we all know... Each one of those uh, conferences have added two teams recently. For the Big Ten, it's USC, UCLA. 
for the Southeast Conference, it's Texas and Oklahoma. And the uh, essential of what Joe was asking is, what next? And he starts with and lets us do the same thing. Let's start with the Big Ten. With the two additions, they're up to 16 teams. They got rid of divisions. His uh, Joe's first question is, okay, we're up to 16 teams. What's next? Who's number 17 and 18, Andy? Where does the league go from here? There's so the when you talk about expansion and really when you talk about it that way, Jimmy, there's only four schools, big major schools that have been involved, but they're very big ones and they're moving from other conferences, the Big 12 and the Pac-10. This is what struck strikes me to the SEC and the Big 10. The power shift has moved. So it's it's from a position of strength or a position of weakness. The Big Ten is obviously operating from a position of strength. So is the ACC. Everybody, you mean the Southeast, the, the SEC. I mean the Southeast Conference. The other three Power Five conferences are all fighting to hold on from a position of weakness, right? And that that has created a, a big divide. So where does the Big Ten go next for the next two schools? I think it goes wherever the heck it wants to go or wherever the best opportunity for the conference to expand is going. Now, I think they're looking at two markets. They have to continue to look west. I'm sorry, you bring in UCLA and USC, you can't just have like a western peninsula, you know what I mean, of your conference. That's a western peninsula. You need to make that or enrich that region more if that you're going to take the hammers from out there. I just don't think you can have a two-team peninsula out there. So logic tells me it's the West, but I also think they have those the media partners to feed, which are huge, which are Fox, NBC, and CBS. And something, I, this is just my opinion, I think they in a perfect world they'd go after the state of Florida. I think they would just go right for the state of Florida and try and get like a Florida state, even Miami or, you know, why not Florida? Right. But in order to expand sort of the, you know, it's media partners market, in other words, the money to bring in more money, they would love to go to the state of Florida. So my logical choice, my, my thought process and who would I think would be next in 17 or 18 I think it's, it could be Oregon and Washington only because they bring better, deeper programs sports-wise and bigger market. I like the Cal-Stanford combination for the California connection for the two schools that already exist. If I had to put money on it, I'd bet West. But I, I think there's many, many directions that they can go because they're operating from a position of power. Well, there's several sp- criteria on where you go, where a conference goes. And over the years, that criteria, I believe, has changed. Years (laughs) ago, when uh, the Big Ten brought in like Rutgers, the thought was, oh, we're bringing in the New York market. Don't care what the value of the uh, program at Rutgers is. I think that has kind of changed to who are the iconic names. So when the Southeast Conference brings in a Texas and an Oklahoma, it's not necessarily for the population base. 
it's because those are two iconic programs. And when the Big Ten brings in USC and UCLA, obviously USC is that huge name, iconic, blue blood, but they're also bringing in the LA market, so that makes sense there. I believe, though, Andy, the world has changed a bit, though, now, where instead of just saying, what does the Southeast Conference and the Big Ten want in adding the next two or three or four teams, it's what's available. And for that, we've got to look at those other conferences that you talked about. So of those three conferences, amazingly, Probably the Big 12 is the most stable of the group. They've got a new television contract. Even though they lost Texas and Oklahoma, they made the effort. They got their TV contract in before the Pac-12 did, and they're also looking to expand. And it feels like the Big 12 has this, you know what, our goal is to be the best of the rest. And you're not hearing so much about uh, losing their teams to the big two right and the big 12 isn't thinking in that oh how shall i put it and it was a a great way that college football existed for a time period but doesn't it exist anymore which was regionally right like college football if you go back you know 40 50 60 years was very regional that's no longer the case and the big 12 is not thinking regionally they're thinking how to keep the conference afloat competitively right and try and get the best schools possible to create a competitive balance nothing based on geography so they're actually trying to figure out plus they have the tv contract like you said so i think they're in the best position everyone thinks the acc is in the best position but i think they're in a really tight tight bad position because the big 12 schools are not unhappy Right. Like that's what you don't think the 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 Pac-12 schools are scared to death because there's no money there. They're not, quote unquote, unhappy, per se, from the competitive balance point. They just they don't see any money in their future. Right. From the perspective of the ACC, they have a money pattern for their future, but they don't have they're unhappy. The schools are unhappy with being stuck the way they are. The Big 12 has actually found a little bit of both. And I think they are the most stable of the three left in the Power Five. Well, Andy, and I'm, I keep jumping back and forth between, you know, like if we start with the Big 10 and what are they looking for, but then we have to go to the other side and see what's available. So jumping back to, you know, the Big 10 again, there's probably not those iconic schools existing in the Big 12 that the Big Ten would say, hey, that's a name brand that we want. Once Oklahoma and Texas left, there probably aren't those name brands left in the Big 12. Where those name brands exist, though, are in the Pac-12 and the ACC. And those two conferences each have an overriding issue that's very, very different. But going again, what would the Big Ten look for in another uh, edition? Notre Dame, as in they're an independent, they're the one school we haven't talked about yet. They are that name brand. They're the iconic brand. They're a national brand. That's a school. 
it's geographically a and because of rivalries, they are a much much more natural fit for the Big Ten than the Southeast Conference. What are your thoughts on Notre Dame? Notre Dame continues. To, I just think they continue to avoid being linked to a conference because they are so dedicated to being remaining independent. They are they are completely dedicated to that and. Under the BCS and in the initial four-team college football playoff, they were rewarded for that. They're going to hold off as long as they can, Jimmy. Everyone's going to, the SEC and the Big Ten are both going to try and like lay groundwork for them. How long can they hold off? Well, Andy, I think that what it comes down to, though, for Notre Dame is the same thing. It comes down for everybody: the money. Can they continue? to be independent and get a TV contract that makes sense and would be competitive, at least, with joining a conference. We've got a lot more on this topic, starting with quarter two. Stick around for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Andrew P. Shea. It's quarter two. And we are allowing Joe from Elizabeth really to give us our idea for our topic today. And the idea is, what is the future of college football as far as among the conferences, their expansion? And our starting point was the Big Ten and Southeast Conference. We know they're bringing in new teams already, but the question is, what next? And I think the way we're 
uh, framing this, Andy, is it's not just what do those big conferences want, what is available. We talked about the Big 12 being fairly stable, and they seem to be secure in their position that they're not one of the big two, but they're going to do the best they can with that premise. Now, what we have on the two coasts, the ACC and the Pac-12, is there are two very distinct issues. For the ACC, it's this grant of rights, which essentially locks all those teams in. It says, hey, if you want to leave, there's not just a penalty, but your television rights stick with us. So there's no way a team could leave with those rules. They're trying to find a way to find a loophole to get out. The Pac-12, which I think is more volatile, their situation is they don't have a TV contract. Things don't look promising. It keeps getting pushed back further and further. And at what point do some of those schools say, enough, I, you know, if I could get into the Big Ten, I'm going. I'm not sticking around here. I think that's what's going on. I think Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford – I think if they got the official invite from the Big Ten, they would take it and run, Andy. Oh, I I don't disagree because the ACC has the problem of they are they're they're in a ironclad contract. Yeah, let's leave the ACC for later. We'll hit that. Let's let's stick with the Pac-12 now. Do I think the Pac? I think any one of those four Pac-12 schools, if they received an invitation from the Big Ten or the SEC, for that matter of fact, but the, would be gone in a heartbeat because the money, the money is what is going to invite those schools to be part of the conference more than anything else. And the Big Ten already has Pac-12 elements. They're set up to, to expand right now. I don't think the SEC is interested in expanding right now. I think the Big Ten is interested in expanding sooner than later. They're not running to do it, but I think they are still actively wholly engaged in looking to expand, in my opinion. And I absolutely think they're looking at the Pac-12 first. They're still looking around and doing due diligence anywhere and everywhere, but literally there is so much opportunity in the Pac-12. If they want to take a step forward before anybody else, the Big Ten is set up to do it right now. And the, and the on the surface from the Big Ten deciding to take those teams or not, the surface argument is always, okay, if we add a new team, we're going to split the pie in an additional way. We've got an additional hand in the pot. So they've got to bring that value. USC and UCLA, especially because of USC and the LA market, added that kind of value. I'm not sure those other schools would do that. But there's more going on, and you alluded to it earlier, having the two West Coast teams, I think the Big Ten might want to stake their flag on the West Coast and take the rest of the valued entities out there. So the Oregons and the Washingtons make sense, and it helps with the geographic rivals for USC and UCLA. And the added part to this, Andy, is the Big Ten's television contract right now 
is set up with Fox at noon, CBS late afternoon, NBC in the early evening. The only time slot still open is that late night. If you have four or six West Coast teams, you could slot that in very nicely, and that's a new television package that the Big Ten could sell. I 100% agree to you and with you, and I, I kind of wonder, as these changes are happening rapidly, what is what is the domino that has to fall? And I don't know what it is in order for that television window to become something that is claimed by the Big Ten. Like, what are they waiting for to make that theirs as well? In other words, give them noon to midnight, right? Basically give them noon to midnight and have it across the board. They already have a piece of that puzzle. And I'm not questioning what the Big Ten's doing. I just wonder what is the holdup to opening up that window because it brings more revenue without losing pie for everybody else. I, I think the possible holdup, Andy, is they're going through the change. Now, we already see what happened when they put out the schedule for 24 and 25 with the, oh, we've got to do night games in November. You know, you saw the disorganization, the issues that it wasn't as clean as we all thought it would be. And throw in this also, there's a new commissioner in the Big Ten. So I think he's needs, and he's a television guy. He I think he needs guy. to get his feet wet. But I do believe that that West Coast, I don't want to say division, it won't be a separate division, but it gives that opportunity to take hold of the West Coast and open up that late night television and oh, by the way, it also helps travel for those West Coast teams that they don't have to go east for every single road game. Now, that leads to the conversation about the ACC, Andy, and I, I know I cut you off earlier, but I wanted to kind of hit one at a time. So the ACC, their issue is very different where the Pac-12 is so volatile, it may fall apart tomorrow. The problem is the ACC apparently can't fall apart tomorrow it, because of this grant of rights. But there are attractive teams there. So what's next for the ACC? So for the, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, with the ACC, you see like an ironclad contract that is a, for those looking to move, it is, it is can't and I will lose scenario, right? The only thing the ACC can do is find a loophole because it's clear a number of their programs are unhappy with the agreement that they signed, right? They signed it and agreed to it, but the landscape has changed since they signed and agreed to it. Now they're looking for some kind of, and they're working, they're actively working on trying to find a loophole to give them an opportunity to even participate in. And I don't necessarily think it's about quote unquote, the, the buyout money that while it's a lot of money, money in, in the college football world is a relative thing to me. It's just, it, there's so much of it that exists. It's the television rights and who gets to broadcast your games. To me, that's the real sticking point of that's where they have to find the clean loophole in order to lose that, the how they figure out the money and who pays 
you know, the exit rights and who pays the money to whom, that is a different animal to figure out. I think that I don't, and I don't see that as problematic. I see the broadcast rights of, hey, not only do you can leave and we'll take your money, but we also hold your television rights and get to broadcast your games. That's the real, that's the real problematic part for the ACC. And, you know, whoever wrote that contract for the ACC schools and they signed it knew how to protect the conference. Now it's going to be up to those who signed it to, to try and find a loophole. And it just looks like a difficult road for them. It looks like a very, very difficult road for them. Well, Andy, it's, the, you know, they, I think the, the group of seven, there's like the seven top yep. schools who are the ones who all of a sudden, if they were free, they would do better. And I, I'm not sure, but hey, if, if they all unanimously said, let's, let's end this, they could do it. They're not going to get that because if you're one of the bottom seven schools, why in the world would you do that? If you're Syracuse or BC or Pitt, these schools is that grant of rights holding the ACC together is the only thing that's helping them out. There is no advantage to them being free agents because nobody wants them. They they wouldn't go turn to the SEC or the Big Ten because they, they bring nothing to the table. The other schools, the Clemsons and Florida States and North Carolinas, they have value, they have real value, and the other schools don't. So I'm not sure I see any resolution there that makes sense. Yes, there's the, unless, like you said, they find some kind of loophole in that contract, but schools have been looking for that loophole for years and haven't been able to find it, Andy. Yeah, and they haven't been able to find it. And as as the landscape is shifting and changing a little bit, and it's 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 only been four schools right at the top. Now there's been some it's the it's the Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA part. The ACC can't the other side of the coin for me is the ACC can't engage in strengthening its position as a conference, as a viable, possible third power conference, right? They're trying to hold on, but I don't, I'm not sure they can expand under this as well, the grant of rights. It makes it so hard for a school to come in. They're almost stuck in neutral while everybody else can kind of move. Obviously, we know what the SEC and Big Ten are doing. The Big 12 is being reactionary and doing a good job and holding it as best they can and creating stability. I think the ACC is just stuck, Jimmy. They are stuck with what they have. until And if a loophole is found, which is very hard to picture, they also can't grow and sort of change. So as it moves pretty quickly these days, they are stuck in neutral, which I think is a worse position than anything else because you can't go either way. And that's why I see them as the the. I know the Pac-12 has their problems television contract wise, and that's money, but the ACC has different problems that are greater, in my opinion, than what the Pac-12 is facing. So I think the ACC is in really, really, really bad spot overall as a conference, while still being financially stable for their schools. Yeah, 
They have stability that they don't want. Right. Uh, the Pac-12 is not stable, which is what they don't want. And it's going to be interesting. We're going to hit on this topic a little bit more in quarter four. But first, we've got your questions in Q3, and we're going to ask Andy. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's Andy. This is quarter three. That means it's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions Andrew P. Shea will answer them. At the end, he will pick out a best question, and whoever sent us that question will win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. Mr. Shea, are you ready for Oh, by the way, if you want to send in a question, download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Andy button. You ready, Andrew? I am ready, Jimmy. Let's go. All right, let's start with Matt from Acton, Massachusetts. Hey, Jim and Andy, a question about NIL. Have you or do you expect a shift in decision-making to field players based on the magnitude of their NIL status solely to fulfill their contracts, talent versus NIL? Also, a shout-out to 409 Tailgate. I've been enjoying the coffee rubs. They've been great on my chicken fajitas. Sounds good there, man. I think what he's trying to ask is, Andy, you know, Will NIL affect any of the coaching decisions? Wow. Um, I never thought of NIL from that perspective. Doesn't that, okay, my initial reaction is, doesn't that feel dangerous, Jimmy? 
that 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 a coaching decision becomes based on an NIL contract. Well, oh man, you know, I've had well, a chance because I see the questions, Andy, to think about this one a little bit. And my first reaction is no way. That's not doesn't factor at all into the decision. I think you have situations, and this is similar to professional sports, where you know what? The guy who does get the big contract, he gets the benefit of the doubt, Andy. Or if he's a first-round draft pick, which is probably similar to, you know, the five-star guy. But here's my premise. I think the transfer portal has an effect on the decision more. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, We all know Micah, what, what a freak athlete, what a freak football player he was. But he didn't start as a freshman. But if you were concerned about him transferring you might have uh, bumped him up quicker. Or another example, you know, we all believe Drew Aller is the better choice over uh, Christian Vayu. But I was surprised when he got bumped to number two as a true freshman before the season even started. But I think you also have to have in the back of your head, hey, this kid is the future. I got to keep him happy, <laughs> you know? I don't... So I, I personally think the portal has more an effect on decision-making than NIL, Andy. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't disagree with you, Jimmy, but I, gosh, I just, it's a good question, Matt. I just don't feel that, I don't have a sense of enough, In I don't feel like I have enough and I haven't seen enough of it, including the transfer portal examples to know if I think it's a viable thing. It just, initially it seems like, you know, it being following the NFL model, first round draft pick, second round draft pick, NIL money, et cetera, et cetera. Can that be tied? It just seems like right now it's still in the middle ground where those those factors are not enough of an impact to impact sort of a, a roster or or depth chart decision. I just don't think we're there yet. That's I'm, my I'm with you on that. I, I don't think that will factor in. Um, let's go to David in Boston. David says, hey, Andy, although Michigan doesn't recruit on the same level as Ohio State, I feel like they've got the better team going into the 23 season. A very good and more experienced quarterback, better running backs, a really good offensive line, and I believe a better defense than Ohio State. Plus, after two straight wins and getting the Buckeyes at home, they should be very confident. What do you think? And all well, let me. Do, he says also, Jim. I hope all came out well for you with your medical procedure last week. <laughs> Andy, let me address the second part of the question. All did come out well with my medical procedure, and you know what? I, I will share here for those who didn't guess. I had a colonoscopy done last Friday. I know a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about it. But here's my public service announcement. Guys, especially those of us as you age, just get it done. Get it done. It, you're asleep with it when it's happening. It's, it's no big deal. Please, just get it done. The, you know, feeling of relief afterwards. And if, they, if there is something, they catch it early. It's not that big a deal. Trust me, as someone who has a family history, I've seen what happens. You don't want to go through that. All right, public service announcement over. Andy, Michigan better than Ohio State this year. Agreed? 
Yeah. Oh, I, I a hundred percent agree in, in the competitive balance. I, if you're just asking David about Michigan versus Ohio state, even though Ohio state recruits better. Yeah. I think Michigan is the better team on paper as we look at it right now. I, there's a gap that Ohio state has to close with Michigan. And that is on the ability for the defense to impact that matchup. And I think that's where Michigan has expanded and gone past Ohio State is they created a defense that could impact the game greater in the Ohio State-Michigan matchup than Ohio Ohio State was able to do. So that's where I think think Ohio State has to catch up with Michigan, which is interesting. Yeah, I like the the running backs clearly better. They have an experienced quarterback. I don't know. Ohio State doesn't seem to have trouble finding a quarterback, but I like Michigan's quarterback a lot. So right now, yeah, I I think Michigan's has to be, in my opinion, going into 2023, they're regarded as the favorite in the Big Ten. I would think that it, they should be ranked higher than Ohio State in all of the national polls preseason-wise going in. They are the favorite, at least in my opinion. All righty, let's go to Steve in Columbia who says, so Andy and Jim, as Andy sees the glass half empty many times, Uh um, (laughs) is it possible that this 2023 team is a doppelganger of the 1993 team? Some players young and unproven and need more experience under pressure, but incredible talent and could explode given some seasoning. Defense will be much better than the 90s team. Then 2024 gets Penn State to mention a song, a hero of mine, Bruce Springsteen said, to the promised land. Promised land meaning national championship, not just the playoffs. By the way, having grilled and barbecued chicken thighs tonight for dinner tonight. Not joking. Steve, smart move going with the chicken thighs. Andy, is the 2023 season... A similar case of the 1993 team. If you need some help, I could give you a reminder about that well, 93 team. No, I know the 93 and 94 teams. And while I understand and can see what Steve's comparisons are, I think, Steve, I think you're a little shy on your timeline. I think this team is ready. I think this team has every element potentially. And I think this team in 2023 could be it. I really honestly do. Looking at them, continuing to see them, looking at them in person, having an opportunity to see them at Lift for Life last week and see many of them. Um, By the way, uh, Abdul Carter, I will just tell you, is he kind of looked like a skinny high school tweener kid last year. Abdul Carter no longer looks like that. Just I'm just going to put that out there right now among some other guys. I think the 2023 team could be the one. And 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 I understand the scenario where you go set the table, it's re- all the a lot of the elements are in place for 24. I I'm, I'm not selling this team short this year. I swear to gosh, Jimmy, I think this team is a beast and it could be a monster and a doppelganger. As he said. Well, and if you wanted to, you could probably 
do like you said, Andy, and push everything up a year because that 93 team finished with two losses, had an impressive bowl win. That one again, they waxed Tennessee, a very highly ranked Tennessee team. And their only two losses were to Michigan and Ohio State. That sounds an awful lot like the 2022 season. Correct. The difference is the changeover in quarterback here, Correct. which was not the case in 94. And But I'll tell you what, at the end of 93, I remember that team well because I remember how they finished, especially that waxing of Tennessee and Correct. most of the talent coming back. And I, I watched that uh, bowl game thinking, you know what? Next year, this team is going to be great. And they were. So I'm not, I'm kind of in between the two of you. I could see, you know, uh, from Steve's point of view that it might be one more year away because of, you know, does Drew Aller need that one more year? We, we shall see. Let's go to Stan in Nashville, Tennessee, who says, Andy, in view of all the scrambling and conference realignment chaos, should football be established as a totally separate entity from the non-revenue sports? Can conferences really withstand the financial and traveling strain for the lesser sports? Should these sports become regional, club-type sports for efficiency purposes? Oh, man. I I think you have a Title IX problem there. Um, but I aren't they kind of... Ugh. Something in me just says that I kind of feel like they're doing that already in some respects, but also I don't think you can sort of separate yourself that way intrinsically and inside each university and inside each conference. I just don't feel that, that you can do that right now, Jimmy. I just don't. I, I don't think they're set up necessarily right now to make that big a global change. Right. But there is precedent, you know, it's like you look at Big Ten hockey and you even look at how Notre Dame kind of plays ACC football, but or I, but not really. They right. stayed independent in football, but the rest of the sports are in the ACC. So it's really, it's not a bad idea, but the problem to it is you're going to have to get all the schools and conferences to agree to it, you know? Right. So getting them to agree on anything, like right now, the Big Ten is all for the Big Ten. Southeast Conference right. is all for their conference. That's And that's understandable. That's what those commissioners were hired to do. I do like the logic of it. It probably doesn't make sense for Big Ten golf teams to go to uh, compete against USC and UCLA and those schools coming to the Midwest. Anyway, Andy, that's it for quarter three. Stick around, quarter four. Andy will name our winner. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. 
StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He's Andy. I'm Jim. Andy, before we move on, we need a winner from our Ask Andy segment. Yeah, uh, Four good questions, to be honest with you. I, I, I like I like them all. Most most weeks, I'm like, eh, that one kind of was it. But these were four good ones. I like David in Boston. I thought David in Boston's question was top-notch. Well done, David. Very good, David. We'll be getting in touch with you. And, David, thank you about asking about my health also. I appreciate that. Let's move on, Andy. Um, let's get back to our topic that Joe from Elizabeth sent out to us talking about the future of college football. And uh, as one of our uh, uh, questioners put out, it doesn't just affect football. It also affects the other sports. But we're going to stick with football. And, Andy, before I get to the overall effect of all of this, is it fair to say, if at least for me, if I had to guess, I would say the Big Ten's going to go west to the Pac-12. You know, that's where they're going to take teams, and I could see that being their next expansion. I believe the SEC is going to hold out. They will stay regional, and they are eyeballing those ACC schools, whether it's Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, Miami. They want to stay true to who they are, which is the Southeast Conference. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. that, And the SEC – they're fine where they are. I think them announcing their eight-game conference schedule in 24 said they're not necessarily actively engaged in looking to expand, such as the Big Ten is. I think the Big Ten is more actively engaged, but I think if you draw like an L from the Mason-Dixon line along the East Coast and go down and go across the South over into Texas, and I think I kind of you put Texas and Oklahoma together, 
that's where they're going to look. That's where they're going to stay. And because they own on the field and results driven, they are the hammer still right now. They are the king of college football. They're not going to change just because everybody else around them has stuff going on. They're going to do exactly what what they want to do and how they want to do it. So I agree with you. They are not against expanding. I just think they are going to slow the pace of it a little bit to suit them more. That's for an analysis. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, for both conferences, it's both what we want to do, but it's also what's available. If those ACC schools were available, I think the SEC would pounce. The fact is they are not available right now, and we don't know when or if they they would become available. The only thing I disagree with you on, and I find it fascinating that the Big Ten came out with two years of scheduling, 24 and 25, and the Southeast Conference came out with just one year of scheduling in 24. That tells me they're open to anything, you know. If, they, if either one of those uh, conferences had come out with four years of scheduling, say, that's different. But even right. like the Big Ten with their flex scheduling and permanent, those permanent rivals are like two years permanent, okay? Because that's, that's all the schedule came out with. <clears throat> they, they've left themselves enough slack to change their mind. The Southeast Conference gave themselves even more slack by only putting out um, one year of scheduling. Now, the question is, where are we headed overall, Andy? Are we headed to the point where it's absolutely going to be a big two and then the rest? Instead of power five, a power two with the Big Ten and Southeast Conference. I was trying to look for indicators that tells me we're not headed in that direction, right? Like what tells you that college football is looking to remain a power five. I had a hard time finding it. I think we're already down the road further than some might want to admit to being a two. I mean, you've got the television and media rights. Look at what the SEC and the Big Ten hold, right? The ACC has a small piece of the pie that's locked in. The Big 12 scrambled and figured something out. The back the Pac-12 is left on an island. So where the money is, follow the money, Jimmy, right? We follow the money sometimes. And that's a smart way to look at things. Follow the money. And where does the money tell you this is going as you look at it early and initially? It tells you it's going to the Big Ten and the SEC. And Andy, you asked for what evidence is there to point to there being still a power five versus a power two. I'll give you the one instance, and that's the 12-team playoff because five conference champions, I believe it is, are guaranteed a place in the playoffs. What that leads to now, now, of course, there's going to be large teams, and someone might say, well, of those 12 teams, you may have what, eight, nine of them being from the two big conferences because they'll be the best teams. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I agree what I think is going to happen is in the Big Ten and the Southeast Conference, they will beat each other up. There are probably, I can name you like seven, eight 
teams in the Southeast Conference who all assume they will be in a 12-team playoffs. But I think there's a pretty good argument to say the Southeast Conference may get three, four tops, but when it comes down to it, will let's say Washington wins the Pac-12 and it is an automatic bid. But let's say Oregon is out there at 10 and 2. LSU with their schedule in the Southeast Conference is 8 and 4. Who makes the playoffs? Even if LSU's the better team, I say Oregon makes the playoffs and in that way some of those teams are they're better off in the ACC or the Pac-12 or the Big 12 if you want to make the playoffs. Hence, Jimmy, why the SEC only put together a one-year schedule. They need to know what the 12-team college football playoff looks like for their schools. Because, yeah, the bigger conferences, were, you're, you're 100% right. I don't disagree with you one bit. The, Ace, the Big Ten and the SEC, they're going to beat each other up a little bit to a degree, especially probably in the SEC a little bit. Maybe that's part of the reason they only stayed eight, so that they could get more teams to ten and two, rather than being eight and four and nine and three. Because it's not you were not comparing apples to apples. You're now comparing the apples to oranges in terms of the five conferences. So, I mean, as I look at the at a twelve team college football playoff with five being guaranteed, and sort of the college football playoff committee setting a clear barometer for wins and losses, total wins and total losses, irregardless of who they are to and who you played in your strength of schedule, it's just wins and losses are their measuring stick. It's hard to see the Big Ten and the ACC or the SEC getting more than six or possibly, I mean, at an outside high number, I could see seven of 12. Anything beyond six is like, I, I have a hard time seeing that happen because of they're going to be playing each other and there are going to be more two and three lost teams than in the other conferences. So the balance of power isn't equal. The big 10 and the sec own a balance of power that in a 12 team playoff might be in something that hurts them. And I think that's a legitimate possibility. It is a very, they're learning on the fly, right? They're building and flying at the same time along with the 12-team college football playoff. And also, you brought a good point, Andy, about the wins and losses. If we look at the four-team playoff and how they do it, they pay lip service to strength of schedule. Meaningless. Meaningless, Andy. You go undefeated in a power conference, you're in. One loss, you're most likely in. Two losses, you're out. Doesn't matter. No two-loss team has made the four-team playoff. Wins and losses was the number one criteria, number of losses specifically. And if they follow through with that, which I think they will, and I think they will also be fearful of a, you know, it was like last year Nick Saban complained because he thought his Alabama team should have made the playoffs. His take was, oh, if you see odds makers say, we would be a favorite over, you know, three of the four playoff teams. Right. But the fact is, Nick, you lost two games. Those are, that's the issue. That was the precedent that was set. And it's not about what you might do going forward. An eight and four LSU might be favored over a 10 and two Washington. Doesn't matter because you lost four games during the regular season. That is the way 
the playoff committee has treated the four-team playoff, and I have no reason to think they'll treat the 12-team playoff any differently. No, I don't think they do. It's just what is the number going to be, right? Like fifth, Alabama was fifth in in 2022 because they had two losses. Is 13th in a 12-team playoff, is it three? Is it four? We don't know. So that's the danger is what is that line that the college it, – it's going to be wins and losses, and it's going to be based on that and that solely. You're 100% right, Jimmy. And is that number three? Could it be four? But it feels like three. I feel like the over-under is two losses versus three. I think right. if you're a two-loss Power 5 team, you've got a very good – if you're the Big Ten or the Southeast Conference, you're in. Right. So – and if it comes down to number 12 and 13, LSU with two losses and Washington with two losses, LSU will get in ahead because Amen. of the conference factor. The only way this changes is – the last question is, if the Big Ten and Southeast Conference ever did the, you know what, we're not stopping at 18 or 20 teams, we're going to be like between the two 50, 60 teams where, you know what, I mentioned like Oregon, Washington, maybe Utah from the Pac-12. If they all come to the Big Ten and the top of the ACC makes their way to the Southeast Conference, there may be that point where those two conferences say, hey, wait a minute, we've got all the best teams. We need to completely separate from the rest. It will, that will come at, that will, to me, that feels like it will be follow the money. And that's where the money will be coming from. And I think it's pretty relevant to me in a quick nutshell that the Big Ten hired a television guy as its new commissioner. That's for four years from now, not for today. Just think about it, Jimmy. It, I think it's very much the case, Andy. I think you've got a an excellent point there. Television, it's the tail that wags the college football dog. Um, and first of all, let's thank Joe from Elizabeth for giving us this topic. Andy, congratulations on the hole-in-one. And you. thank you all for listening to the show. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. 
You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.